At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to hemp resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to hemp present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 27th year, founded HempFest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at HempFest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is widely renowned scientist, neurologist, and author, Dr. Ethan Russo, who will join me within the minute. It has been said that the entire cannabis culture and, of course, the cannabis reform movement are largely products of pot prohibition. There had never been the propaganda and yellow journalism, the trillions of dollars squandered, the millions of arrests and incarcerations that prohibition has caused over the last century or so. What would today's cannabis culture look like? Would there even be one? Of course, we'll never know that answer. But it's looking more and more likely that what we will get to see is what the pot culture looks like after prohibition, because cannabis legalization is experiencing unprecedented bipartisan support, and a federal pushback might actually backfire. I believe the damage that has been done by prohibition to date can be divided into two categories, the bad things prohibition has caused and the good things prohibition has prevented. As extreme as the harms of prohibition have been, there may have been equal or even greater harm caused by the potential good cannabis has offered this entire time that's been prevented by prohibition. By prohibiting unbiased scientific research into cannabis for decades, untold discoveries and innovations have likely been blocked or postponed, innovations that may have saved lives, lessened suffering, and bettered humankind. But there is hope. My guest today is someone who has already contributed much to the body of knowledge about cannabis and who might himself benefit from a total removal of the the scientific shackles. 
Ethan Russo, MD, is a board-certified neurologist and psychopharmacology researcher and is currently the Director of Research and Development for the International Cannabis and Cannabinoids Institute. He has held faculty appointments in pharmaceutical sciences at the University of Montana, in medicine at the University of Washington, and is visiting professor at the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Russo is currently past president of the International Cannabinoid Research Society and is former chairman of the International Association for Cannabinoid Medicines, among other accolades. Ethan has written a number of books and titles included Handbook of Psychotropic Herbs, a Scientific Analysis of Herbal Remedies for Psychiatric Conditions, Cannabis Therapeutics and HIV AIDS, and Women and Cannabis, Medicine, Science, and Sociology. He's been kind enough to join me today. Welcome, Ethan, to Cannabis Radio. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, sadly, we only have a half an hour. I feel like I could talk to you for five hours and only scratch the surface. Um, you're a widely known figure in cannabis science today, but can you take us back to how and when you were initially introduced to cannabis? Well, uh, when I was uh, in Seattle in 1980, uh, I was a neurology resident at the VA hospital, and uh, I went to the clinic one day, and my attending smiled and said, I'd like you to see this guy. So I look at the chart, and it was this fellow with myasthenia gravis. And in the chart, it mentioned uh, that he used cannabis as part of his treatment. So I went to see him, and on the course of getting his history and talking to him, come to find out that uh, he had discovered that by adding cannabis to his pipe tobacco, that uh, he could treat his disorder. And there was documentation of this. He actually went from having between three and five intensive care admissions a year um, to zero to one uh, since he started using cannabis. Um, this was in 1980. Uh, it was before Ronald Reagan was sworn in as president. Um, and uh, I wondered what happened after that uh, with this fellow. So he was probably the first patient that I saw that used cannabis medicinally. But then as a neurologist in practice in Missoula, Montana, this came up uh, from time to time. And uh, even in the 90s, there were perhaps a third of my patients with multiple sclerosis that were using cannabis medicinally. And the ones that did invariably did better. It was not just that they improved their pain control or that they were able to treat their muscle spasticity, muscle tightness, but their adjustment to their illness was significantly better than in patients who did not use it in this way. Uh, so about the time um, uh, that uh, cannabis was legalized medicinally in uh, 1996, I had just gotten back from the rainforest where I'd been on sabbatical investigating medicinal plants among the Machiganga tribe. I quickly got embroiled in the cannabis controversy and in trying to do research myself on medicinal cannabis and getting stonewalled by the government, I became that much more dedicated to its investigation. And it just went on from there. Fascinating. Of course, you know, 1980 was before the AIDS HIV epidemic, which really put medical cannabis in, in, in the forefront of things. Uh, 
the endocannabinoid system, Ethan, or ECS, is apparently the critical homeostatic regulatory mechanism of human physiology, but it was fairly unknown until recently. How much of a game changer has been the discovery of the endocannabinoid system in terms of cannabis and our knowledge of its effect on the human body? What might that discovery lead to by the end of the century? Well, it's been an extremely influential uh, event in not just the science of uh, our own physiology, but in cannabis and cannabinoids. So this provided the underpinnings of the various ways in which cannabis works therapeutically and helps to explain why it is such an incredibly versatile medicine for so many illnesses that are otherwise recalcitrant to treatment. Um, I think it's been revolutionary. I'm surprised that uh, its discovery and investigation hasn't been responsible for a slew of uh, Nobel Prizes in medicine, but hopefully that will change as uh, recognition comes to this uh, area of medicine, which unfortunately, uh, still is not uh, commonly part of the curriculum in medical schools. So we have a new crop of doctors that are coming up with not only ignorance of cannabis, but of this innate system in the body uh, that regulates how our, our physiology functions. Uh, it's the thing that keeps things in balance, as you mentioned, the technical term being homeostasis. So if there's too much activity in a system, it brings it back down. If there's too little, it brings it back up into that range uh, where it should be for proper functioning. And this applies to almost anything that you might think of, whether it be pain control, whether someone will have seizures or not, whether they're going to vomit, uh, how their gut functions. Uh, it's involved in the reproductive system and even in bone healing. Uh, it is literally everywhere in terms of how our bodies, bodies function. Very fascinating. On that thread, the interactive synergy between cannabis compounds is referred to as the entourage effect. And while there are many cannabis compounds, cannabinoids, the most familiar of which being THC, intoxicating, and CBD, the non-psychoactive compound uh, that's lately associated with medical benefits, there's even some controversy over isolating cannabinoids at all versus what's called whole plant therapy. Do you have any thoughts on all of that? Oh, I, I do, certainly. Uh, it's true to say that... Uh, these two, which are just uh, a fraction of the available cannabinoids, which now number over 100 that have been discovered in the plant, they each have their own unique properties, uh, many being quite therapeutic. Um, but beyond that, it's true to say that individually they could be interesting medicines, but uh, I am strongly of the belief that uh, whole cannabis extracts provide the greatest uh, promise in treating illness. Uh, an example is THC alone uh, as a synthetic agent has been available in the United States since 1985 as Marinol. But it's never really had a lot of traction because it's a very poor drug on its own. Uh, even people who are accustomed to cannabis find synthetic THC hard to take. It is productive of dysphoria rather than euphoria. That makes it, means it makes people unhappy. Uh, produces a state of mind which is very scattered um, and anxiety-provoking. 
it has what's called a very narrow therapeutic index. That means that the range between a dose that might help with symptoms like nausea or pain um, and the dose that will produce side effects, there's barely any difference there. Whereas with cannabis, uh, particularly if it has CBD or the right terpenoids with it, uh, there is a much greater safety margin and a better therapeutic index because those other components will limit the side effects of THC and make it a much better tolerated medicine. Ethan, we really only have about one minute till the next break, but can you encapsulate very quickly for me, and I'm sorry to do that to you, what is clinical clinical endocannabinoid deficiency? Well, as we mentioned, we have this endocannabinoid system. There are natural chemicals called endocannabinoids in the body that resemble what THC does. Um, Sometime back, I hypothesized what would it look like if people had too low levels of these endogenous cannabinoids. Um, And if that happened, it should produce pain where there shouldn't be, uh, should produce gut upset on many other features that would be associated with disorders like migraine, irritable bowel syndrome, and fibromyalgia all of which are are well-treated by use of cannabis therapeutically. So that's it in a nutshell. Uh, And we've had considerable scientific corroboration of this concept in the last 15 years. My guest is Dr. Ethan Russo. As we always do on our first break, we'll take a pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws here. Word from our sponsors and advertisers and come back with the rest of our questions for Ethan Russo. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC, symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. 
on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, Mondays on Demand, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Hemp Present with Dr. Ethan Russo. Ethan, one of the issues that might be the most challenging to approach in some ways is cannabis and children. There's a lot of gnashing of teeth about children possibly being exposed to cannabis, exposed to the cannabis culture, and even cannabis imagery or aroma. What what does science tell us at this point about cannabis and children generally? Well, I'd like to approach this first from a historical context. People should be aware that cannabis was a mainstream medicine in this country between 1840 and about 1940 when it it was subject to prohibition. During that time, cannabis was extensively used in children with no particular problems. That's point one. Point two is that children under 10 are quite resistant to the psychoactive side effects of cannabis and it's well documented uh, that they often could take doses without any problem that would possibly make an adult quite intoxicated. Uh, That's two. Number three, there's a world of difference between teenagers smoking bongs uh, ad nauseum uh, after school when they might be studying or playing sports and the use of small doses of cannabis to control symptoms of severe diseases. So if we have a young child with seizure disorders and cerebral palsy, and they benefit from cannabis, I would argue with anyone uh, the morality of giving them benefit of this therapeutic medicine. It's not like they're going to become addicted or suddenly vote Democratic when they're older. Um, well, I, I'm quite serious. I no, think no, that's that not, objections not, uh, I get it. to this kind of treatment are largely based on uh, ideology uh, that's false um, or um, some moral pronouncement that has nothing to do with science or medicine. Um, and I... I should state that uh, I'm a board-certified pediatric neurologist. Uh, I used uh, cannabinoids when I was in practice in children when warranted. Uh, and there were no problems, and there was often quite a bit of benefit. And we, we see this uh, throughout society today where there are thousands and thousands of children uh, receiving this medicine with great benefit on conditions that conventional medicines just not helped. Uh, Now, obviously, this should be subject to close scrutiny and supervision uh, by physicians who know what they're doing, Um, but I have no qualms about uh, the use of cannabis in children for serious conditions where warranted. Anybody, including a child, can't get high or get get you know, psychoactive effects from just eating a bud, from eating a piece of cannabis that hasn't been burned because pot's not psychoactive until it has been heated. But can small children, such as babies, get high from decarboxylated or heated cannabis, say they ate a medible, for example, uh, an infant? Are the receptors already fully developed at that young age? 
Well, you point out why one of the reasons we think that children are resistant to these psychoactive side effects. However, that still would be dangerous. And um, you raise an important point that when there's cannabis in the home, particularly in edible forms, these must be stored properly out of the reach of children um, who might get into them. Uh, Especially because they look like something the child would identify with and maybe want to put in their mouth. Absolutely. And this is one reason that I personally am against uh, candies and other attractive um, forms. I mean, um, a, a lot of cute promotion is done about this, but uh, I think it's counterproductive. Um, I, I personally would prefer... Uh, that we make medicine medicine and uh, confections uh, something that people can do on their own. But, um, you know, obviously uh, there's business concerns involved. Um, but irrespective, I'm not saying these things should be banned. What I am saying is people must use due diligence in storage of any cannabis product. Yeah, I've, I've had a big issue with feeding sick people basically candy uh, with some pot oil and calling it medicine when maybe that's not what they need is is, is a bunch of sugar uh, <laughs> spiking their, their cells. I, we had somebody approach us with medical cotton candy one time, and I'm like, medical cotton candy? I don't think there is such a thing. Uh, anyway. Well, uh, beyond that, it, it's just a matter of how do you dose this? I mean, when something tastes good, isn't there going to be the tendency right. to overdo it? On, and dose is critical in use of cannabis. Cannabis, it is clear we know what the side effects are, and there should be a premium in medical treatment on avoiding those side effects. And that's really easy to do, and all the more difficult in a situation where uh, you have an attractive vehicle, uh, such as a candy. Uh, or something else uh, where people just might uh, take more than they need. Uh, so this must be avoided. Ethan, the Trump administration has just rescinded the 2014 non-federal interference coal memo. In the years leading up to the coal memo, the DEA had executed over 500 paramilitary raids against cannabis labs and retail access points, seizing property, destroying inventories. But there was also a chilling effect on research. How concerned are you that critical momentum might be lost in the area of cannabis research under this administration? Well, let's use a personal example. Um, I've been doing this work intensively for about 21 years, and the majority of that time I've worked for foreign companies. Why is that? Well, it's simply because, as I said at the beginning, I couldn't do the kind of biomedical research on cannabis that I wanted to in this country because of the, re the restrictions. And what we have now is, um, if you follow closely developments around the world, uh, there's been a liberalization of, of medical um, availability of cannabis in many countries, as well as uh, legalization in some. Um, it's another situation of us being left behind. We have ceded the ability to research cannabis effectively to other countries. Uh, we have great capabilities here that aren't being realized because of these restrictions, which are unwarranted. Israel, is, for example, is really kicking our ass these days. Um, oh, and Canada, for sure. Um, you know, basically, uh, they're in the process now of legalizing cannabis, but before that, 
they've had a working medical program for well over a decade. Um, and um, there is a great deal of money being pumped into research now, uh, which is great, but it would be all the better if it were happening on this side of the 49th parallel as well. Indeed. We got a couple minutes before the next break. What, what else is generally? And I know this is putting you on the spot. What else is shaking in cannabis science these days? Uh, what exciting things have we not covered that I would ask you about if I only knew to? Well, I think you know to, uh, <laughs> but um, there's the whole area of uh, the undecarboxylated or raw cannabinoids. Now, these have been around forever. If we look historically at how cannabis was used, sometimes it was cooked, sometimes it was used raw. But uh, particularly, I'm going to focus on one thing, and that is, in the past, uh, both in the cop, copts, that's cops with a T, uh, in ancient Egypt, they had many references to the use of cannabis to treat tumors. And we saw the same thing in Europe with the Renaissance herbalists. Um, and I always wondered about this. There weren't any directions on this, but it would seem that a lot of these materials were used in the raw, unheated form, implying that it was THCA and CBDA rather than THC and CBD. Well, just recently, we have found out that THCA, uh, tetrahydrocannabinolic acid, uh, is an time to roll out for the people the that let us have receptors. Hang loose. Break that down. It We're coming it right back. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky, with our special nano emulsion process. You'll not and only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP for a 20% discount on your order. May be good Balance your tumors. body. Balance your life. And seemingly in blue moon that often are quite a bit lower than we the see being used. Is rising uh, with and the next crop of podcasts devoted uh, to cannabis so providers and enthusiasts are ready uh, to be harvested. My guest is Dr. Ethan Russo. We are going to take our last pause for the cause. Your from our sponsors and advertisers and come back with our final questions. For over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process on Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, Mondays on demand, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hem Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, 
Back to our headstrong hamperer of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present with Ethan Rousseau for our final question. Ethan, in your opinion, how did science let prohibition happen? Or in other words, why did the scientific community largely drink from the reefer madness Kool-Aid for nearly a century when, when many must have mostly known better? Well, Vivian, they didn't originally. Um, if we go back to 1937, uh, the head of... Um, the American Medical Association, a Dr. Woodward, who was also an attorney, went before Congress and testified that cannabis, as he called it, uh, was medically useful and shouldn't be outlawed. However, at that point, Congress was talking about this marijuana that nobody knew anything about except that it was used by Mexican people and black jazz musicians. Um, And... um, They just uh, made it illegal in spite of uh, the avowed testimony of the American Medical Association. Subsequently, there was such pressure and propaganda from the government over time, plus coupled with a lack of proper education about cannabis, uh, that this just uh, became perpetuated. Um, But again, People should be aware that uh, this prohibition was originally opposed uh, by the scientific community. Well, the, the, the times are changing, thank God. <laughs> right. You know, and again, uh, we've had this agency, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, which for decades has uh, funded research on the harms of cannabis. And one byproduct of that is we know an incredible amount uh, about uh, its side effects, which relative to other medicines are really uh, nothing uh, that serious compared to most drugs, and again, are totally avoidable with proper dosing and administration. Um, but um, a lot of the horror stories we've heard in the past have been disproven, uh, including the amotivational syndrome and other uh, detritus of uh, prior investigation and propaganda. Well, Dr. Ethan Russo, thank you so much for being on Cannabis Radio and for your essential work. I'm just such a huge fan of yours. The best of luck in all of your endeavors. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, I want to get to a weekly feature of Ham Present on CannabisRadio.com, and that's the quote of the week, and here it is. I lived in Washington State for a long time, and Washington State legalized it in 2012. We legalize marijuana. We tax it. We have a lot of tax revenue. It's no longer criminalized. We don't spend money on the police department. We spend money regulating the industry in the same way we regulate other substances, and that is Pacific Northwest's own Bill Nye, the science guy. That concludes this installment of Hampersent on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special Hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and take it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! Sweet sativa, 
opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.